The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hi, this is Chris Burnham, artist of Batman Incorporated and Nameless, and you are listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like good. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to THN episode 229. That's a lot of episodes. 228. We just had this conversation. 228, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, October 14th. My name's Matt Baum. Yeah, because last week was 227, and Harvey Locust got mad that you didn't put the 227 theme song oh man i can't believe how on the show missed that we missed 138 too what's 138 we are 138 it's a misfit song yeah and then we missed 187 with a bleep in your mouth you know i mean come on black scorpion we have artificial sunlight regardless we're talking comic books and nerd news for the week of october 14th my name is matt bomb that's at matt Bombstein on the twitter and when i'm not celebrating National Pug Day with copious amounts of weed and a never-ending Instagram feed featuring pugs in every cute situation possible. It was too much. I couldn't take it. I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not cuddling up to my mutt and telling her she doesn't need a special day to be special to me. Aww. I'm the former manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Someday we're going to tell these people about your new job. As always, nobody cares about that corporate garbage. <laughs> we're broadcasting live on Periscope, kids. You can find the feed by downloading the app, signing in with your Twitter feed, and if you follow us on Twitter, we'll pop up in your feed and boom, you are watching the magic live. I'm going to warn you, we talk with our hands. We talk with our hands. <laughs> this is uh, not safe That's for right. work. It is unedited and NSFW, that stands for not safe for women. On this episode, you'll hear our reviews of Clandestino, number one, and Superman, Lois and Clark, number one. Then, things get ludicrously fast as we review ten more of this week's comics from the Gunwells of the Millennium Falcon. After that, we'll retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Senator Jim Webb is connecting with a very special dead Vietnamese soldier. And, talking about next week's comics. And finally, the Orca himself stops by to tell you about some comics you should probably Probably be selling. It's all happening next. But before we deliver this humble bundle of comic nerdity to your digital mailbox, let's stare blankly at our new Marvel comics, wondering how the hell they got so all new and all different before the end of the damn Secret Wars. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. We got big news. Matt, you know about the current Godzilla movie? It was wonderful. I loved it. It was wonderful. Legendary and Warner Brothers are coming together because they want to get in on the shared cinematic universe game. They want to get in on the Spider-Man and the rest of the Marvel Universe game? (laughs) Yeah, right. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) So they want to build a shared universe with Godzilla, King Kong, and other classic Toho monsters. I love it. I'm in. The initial trio of films are... Kong, Skull Island, which is coming uh, in 2017. Yeah, we knew about that one. Godzilla 2 and Godzilla versus Kong. We knew that Godzilla 2 was going to happen because it made money, but they, I don't, it was just formally announced not too long ago. Godzilla versus Kong, brand new news. Brand new. Now, there was already Godzilla versus King Kong in Japan in the 60s because it was, you know, different rights to the characters and whatever. The thing of it is, those of us who love Godzilla 
guys like me, kaiju fans, Godzilla exists in a universe full of other monsters. Hashtag kaiju fans. <laughs> he exists in a, in a universe full of other monsters. So Kong Skull Island, which uh, was already previously announced, has Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson. Who the THN forums decided is not an A-lister. <laughs> the THN forums are wrong. Um, hey. Uh, Brie Larson. Eight votes John can't be Gibbon, wrong. <laughs> lots of other folks. Uh, so Kong Skull Island is in 3D and IMAX on March 10th, 2017. As AJ just said on Periscope, it will be an ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny. Truly. So Kong Skull Island hits March 10th, 2017. Godzilla 2 is set to be released on June 8th, 2018. Godzilla vs. Kong hits in 2020. So this is fun. I need to watch the Godzilla movie. Yeah, you do. Shame on you. How did you miss that? But they made this to be such a huge deal. It is a big deal. But they've already done these crossover movies before. No, but they've done them in the 60s. And I'm not taking anything away from them. I love those movies with the guys dressed up in costumes and stuff like that. This is the first time we'll see big, huge blockbuster money thrown at these monsters that a lot of us love so much. It is a big deal. I'm very excited for this. What's a banner day for you then? I'll tell you what. I was happy. Joe, why the last man is headed to TV. Thank God. After numerous attempts to adapt the Vertigo series for film, why the last man is now being developed for television by none other than the guy who wrote it. What a revolutionary idea. Brian K. Period Vaughn himself. The original 60 issue series by Vaughn and artist Pia Guerrera. Where is she, by the way? She's been around. Has she? Mm -hmm. Follows Yorick Brown, the last surviving human with a Y chromosome and his monkey ampersand through the series. For those of you who don't speak DNA, they're the only two dudes left in the world. Throughout the series, Brown navigates the world after a mysterious disease has wiped out all the other men on the planet. New Line originally acquired the rights for the film adaptation in 2007 with, with David Goyer, Carl Ellsworth, and director DJ Caruso attached. Caruso left the film after New Line wanted to take the film in a different direction, bumming it from a three-film franchise to a two-hour standalone feature. There's no, thank you. There's no way it would have worked, right? No. Vaughn is teaming with Color Force Studio to bring the series to FX. Pretty good. Right? Uh, if Hollywood is determined to adapt Why the Last Man, this seems like the best case scenario. Absolutely. We talked about this a long time ago when they first announced the movie, and we both came to the conclusion, if you're going to do something like this, do it on HBO, do it on cable, do it someplace ab yeah. outside of NBC, ABC, or CBS where you can actually do some really gritty stuff with it. Sure. I mean, you could probably do Why the Last Man on network TV. Because I don't need the cursing. I suppose. And really, the cursing is the worst thing about it. Uh, I suppose. But uh, I'm thrilled to have it at a network like FX. AMC yeah. would have also been a good choice. Sure. The yeah. PlayStation Network would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could have saddled up right next <laughs> it worked to out so well for Powers on the PlayStation Network. <laughs> Which quietly went away. <laughs> no, season two, man. It's at, oh, they're in it? it right now. It's... It didn't go away. Oh, it's that quiet. Yeah. It just, Even worse, it didn't go away. No one's talking about it. <laughs> it just seems like it didn't go away because we don't have PlayStations. I see. <laughs> I'm into this. Vaughn is involved. The rights went back to him. Yeah. Which means he's in charge. Which is This is great. This is all around great. How it should be. <laughs> Matt, did you know that last week was New York Comic Con? Uh, I totally ignored it because once again, I wasn't able to go. We weren't invited for yeah, one thing. Because uh, we, one, we weren't invited. Two... Nobody gave us enough money to go. That's <laughs> true. What, what kind of world do we live in? <laughs> there is no justice. Well, they made a bunch of announcements. Some of them were cool. Some of them were whatever. Yeah. Uh, Marvel announced the latest addition to their Star Wars comic franchise. 
Obi-Wan and Anakin, a five issue series debuting in January, uh, a previously untold story early on in Anakin's Padawan days before the Clone Wars. Okay. I can't remember who it was. Somebody in the forums was just talking about this time, like where this mysterious time where a bunch of stuff happened, obviously, and Anakin got like really good at what he was doing. Well, there's a, there's a, a 10 year gap or whatever right. in between episode one and episode two. And I think that's what we're talking. Is, is this sort of what they're talking about here? Or is this before episode one? Even? Before the clone wars? Okay. No. So this is Anakin as like a teenager. Okay. So he's not. Wee! Yeah. Fly, he's not yeah. Jake Lloyd. He's not pod. Who pod recently racing. got a DUI. <laughs> oh, Jake Lloyd's life <laughs> yeah. took a turn. It spiraled out of control yeah. after his, his role. Turns out being in star, being uh, one of the worst parts of star Wars is not really good for a dude's <laughs> self-esteem. <laughs> Yes, it's it's before the Clone Wars, uh, kind of in that nebulous period between episodes one and two, I would guess. Right. And it's written by Lando writer Charles Soule and him. drawn by uh, Shattered Empire artist Marco Cheeto. I just finished Charles Soule's Lando miniseries. It was wonderful. I enjoyed it. It was wonderful. Here's the thing. I don't really want them to keep revisiting the prequel times. I think you... <sighs> Look, I'm with you, and we both we all hated the prequels. We agree. And those of you who say you don't, you're just apologizing for them. But I think you kind of have to. You, a little bit. You kind of have to. I don't to. think you do, because now it's all about what happened after Star Wars. I suppose, but you can't just totally ignore it. And I, I'm with you. I hate they it. They had a six-year cartoon show that they could have filled in all of this backstory. And they didn't. And I'm talking about Marvel Comics here. Yeah. They, they can't just totally ignore it. And it is going to sell. People will read this. It's a great team. I bet it's going to be good. But I understand where you're coming from. So in the new series, Obi-Wan and Anakin are called to a remote planet that needs assistance from the Jedi Order, but find danger for themselves there. Surprise. Yeah. It's a Star Wars story. It's going to be. It'll be good. I, I like the creators. I just. I'm ready to move on beyond the trilogy. And the prequels. I want to know. I want to bridge the gap, not go back and fill in untold tales. Right. That's where I'm at. I, That's I am. Fair. Editor's note We have got a poll question up at THN Forums all about this. Do you want to see more Star Wars stuff told from the preludes, or should we just move forward here and forget it ever happened? Thanks, Miraculous Matt. I'll absolutely read it. I'll allow, I mean, of course, if it's great, I'll change my tune. Fair enough. Just screw any dough pot, Slimo. Let me ask you a question, Joe. How much do you love David LaFuente? I love him. He's amazing. A whole lot. Guess what? Tell me. This might bum you out a little bit. Come or on. you might be excited. He is going to be exclusive with Valiant with a relaunch of Archer and Armstrong. LaFuente was formerly a Marvel exclusive artist known for his work on Ultimate Spider-Man, where he kicked ass that book looked so good the new series simply titled a a will be written by relative newcomer raffer roberts okay so his name raffer raffer or raffer raffer roberts uh is an artist he's primarily i think known for his art okay he put out uh, an indie comic called plastic farm written and drawn and also if you've seen them online justin jordan writes these little gag comics called right Thanos and Darkseid, carpool buddies of doom. I have seen that. And Rafer Roberts draws them. 
They are amazing. I have seen them. They're amazing. They're cute. And the third one just came out. It's got Doctor Doom and Nebula, and the kids are in it. Nice. <laughs> like Kristoff and Nebula are like squished into the back seat. <laughs> back to where we oh, were. And Orion. A and A is going to be a continuation of the previous series by Fred Van Lente and Clayton Henry, and will also draw inspiration from the original 90s series created by Barry Windsor Smith, Jim Shooter, and Bob Layton. I'm a little sad to see Van Lenty and Clayton Henry go, because that book is so good. Regardless, the good news is, Archer and Armstrong coming back, shortened title, A&A. <laughs> I'm not in love with that, I'm but not whatever. With that. I mean, I don't care. I will continue to call it Archer and Armstrong. La Fluente, total badass. It's going to look great. I liked Archer and Armstrong when it first started. I love David LaFuente. Uh, I don't know much about Rafa Roberts as a writer, but I do love some of his other work. And so I think it's exciting that he's getting this shot. It's a great thing. I'm glad that Valiant's still going strong. Absolutely. This is a big thumbs up. And if you haven't picked it up yet, pick it up when this comes out. You guys will not regret it. There's This is some big news right here. Okay. Brace yourself. I'm ready. Spy Kids 2, Island of Lost Dreams director Robert Rodriguez. He directed some other stuff too. <laughs> is in negotiations to direct the live action adaptation of Yukito Kushiro's popular manga series Battle Angel Alita. Produced by Galaxy of Terror assistant director James Cameron. <laughs> what is Galaxy of Terror? I don't know. <laughs> My favorite thing when we talk about these guys is to find the most obscure thing on their resume <laughs> and, is, and then it's really something. it to them. So the for some reason known only to them, the title of the movie will be Alita colon Battle Angel it's, instead of Battle Angel colon Alita. Right. The project tells of a female cyborg that is discovered in a trash yard by a scientist with no memory of her previous life except her deadly martial arts training. The woman becomes a bounty hunter tracking down criminals. James Cameron has been trying to make a Battle Angel Alita movie for like 15 years. No, I really like the original mangas. I read them a long time ago. And I've, there was I've an, heard of it. There I've was never some read anime, it. There was some anime that came with it too that was also really well done. This, There's no reason why this can't be amazing. Except, oh, I'll give you one reason. His name is James Cameron. I have a feeling he'll probably end up producing <laughs> it and not directing it. No, I Robert mean, Rodriguez, Rodriguez is directed. directing it. Cameron's just throwing money at it, and that's fine. That's fine. It's not like he's going to take it to the Avatarverse or some crap. Avatar, Battle Angel Alita, crossover movie. No, I think this writes itself. I think it's going to be really cool. Robert Rodriguez is a fantastic action adventure director. He's going to get a sexy, you know, girl to play the sex bot turned warrior. And this should be a ton of fun. Yeah, 40 year old Christina Ricci. Mm, I don't think so. Going to jump back in. Sorry, baby. <laughs> is big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and all the other New York Comic Con news that we missed, hit us up at the THN forums where Joe and I are still bitching about why any sci-fi director worth his salt would come up with the name Unobtainium. God, that is so dumb. It's because it's really hard to obtain. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Thanks. I mean, like, really hard. <laughs> Every week, the unobtainable Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in the THN forums. No matter how bad you want him, you'll never get him, folks. Joe Patrick, what are we asking the nerds this week? Once again, this week's question comes from D. Murray. This does not count towards Goocher status no, because no. we did Joe's question last week. That's true. 
In your opinion, what comic doesn't deserve the praise that it gets from fans and critics? Someone's going to say Sandman and Elise Wisdom is going to bite their face. (laughs) (laughs) What is a title that you just don't get the appeal of like everyone else? This is great. It's a good question. It's great. It's going to ruffle some feathers. Yeah. Controversial. Namely ours. (laughs) It's all right. It's all right. It's like someone's going to say they don't like Starman and I'm going to just shut the show down. (laughs) You have until five o'clock central standard time this Friday, October 23rd. Is that the correct date? Yes. 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 October 23rd. To get us your answer, you can call and leave a message using Skype. The handle there is two headed nerd. Basically on every form of social media, our handle is two-headed nerd, it's all true. one word. If someone else is using it, you're in trouble. You can also call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894. And if you're feeling fancy, you can send an MP3 to two-headed nerd at gmail.com. Whatever you do, keep it under two minutes. You'll get cut off. I'm tired of warning you. You know the rules. If you need more time than that, head to the THN web forums. Write your full answer in the question of the week section. We'll chat it out. We'll work it out. We'll talk things over. We'll feel our feelings. Yeah. It'll be great. All our feelings. And then... Even the gross ones. Yeah, especially the gross especially ones. Especially the gross ones. And then next Thursday, tune in to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN Answer of the Week podcast. It's the best. It's, it's the best. I love it so much. I don't get it. I don't get it. Why don't you go away? I don't want you sending any candy kisses my way. I don't get it. I don't get it. Why don't you go away? Now I'm getting back up on my feet. Because I thought Every week, Matt and I pluck two comics from the new shelves and subject them to some heavy padding. That will result in less than a near mint grade when it comes to selling them. Sorry. We got to rough touch. Rough touch. Matt, what did you review this week? This week, I read Clandestino, number one from Black Mask, written and drawn by Amanke Nawel Pan. 24 pages for $3.99, although I'm not positive, but I think the preview I got sent was a little longer because it... Sure, it took longer to read <laughs> than 24 pages. Um, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This is a passion project by Nowell Pan that took up the last seven years of his life to create. The story centers around an imaginary South American country called Tyrona. Though it doesn't exist, Nowell Pan has co-opted real South American political history to create the war-torn nation's story. This story starts with a fairly generic fight scene where our main character clandestino takes out a group of punks robbing a gas station with extreme prejudice were it not for the amazing art i may have lost interest but from there the plot takes a major turn delving into the past of both clandestino and tyrona the country that made him who he is the history of tyrona is told through the eyes of a young boy forced to flee his mother during a raid by the new military government After a recent coup, the military is rounding up enemies of the state, not unlike what Augusto Pinochet did in Chile in the 1970s. You're not impressing anyone. I'm not trying to. (laughs) Later, he's discovered by rebels fighting the new dictatorship. Little known fact, Periscope exclusive, that's where Desparcitos got their name. Dictator? From Pinochet. When he disappeared people, it became illegal to say their name, and they became called Los Desaparecidos. There you go. Later, he's discovered by rebels fighting the new dictatorship and nursed back to health. From there, he's trained by them to be part of a destabilizing force that seeks to overthrow the Tyronian government. When we flash forward to modern day, Tyrona has devolved into some type of narco warlord state right out of a Mad Max film. You might not recognize Amon K's name, but you will soon. And in short, it's because 
He's a very talented writer and artist who's not afraid to put in some real long-term work when he really cares about a project. Take him, took him seven years to put this seven out. Seven years. In the back matter, Noel Penn talks about how each issue of Clandestino took almost a year to complete. And in that time, his art style evolved and changed. He said he was tempted to go back, like upon finishing, he was tempted to go back and redo the first issue because his art had changed so much. But he thought it was so cool looking at his art evolve that he just left it alone. We recently reviewed Boy One in episode 200, 219. When I reviewed that book, I didn't love his art. Here, I found every aspect of his sharp and violent style absolutely stunning. There's a very Eduardo Rizzo meets Lee Weeks quality to his art that gave the comic the edge it needed. I'm really looking forward to watching his art style change with each chapter. It's, it's all completed, by the way, so you don't have to worry about waiting a year for issue number two. And I got to say, it's really a thrill to see a creator working on a project that's not only important to them, but mirrors real world history and huge props to Black Mask for continuing to put out informative quality comics like this. I'm giving this a buy it. Yeah, I thought this was really compelling. Very, very good. The timeline is a little fuzzy for me. Yeah. And maybe maybe it is exactly how it seems, but it starts in 1973 when he is... Oh, four, five, no, 10, 10. You think? Yeah. Look at this kid. I can't tell kids who can yeah. tell we, like at a minimum he's 10. Okay. Then it jumps forward to the nineties, 95. So he's 30 and then it jumps forward another 20 years <laughs> and I'm telling you like, uh, clandestino doesn't look like no 50 year old 50 something he's, he's aging well he's aging well oh, he gets a lot of exercise yeah. <laughs> well also this may have just been in the art for the readers but in the 1995 time period they show a poster of the rebellion like join the koyam right you know spark the rebellion and it's got like facebook link and twitter link and like no, <laughs> there was no Facebook in 1995. Well, that may be taking place modern day. No, it's not. This is before it jumps to the modern day. Uh, oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it, this is before it jumps to the modern day. But welcome to nitpicking with Joe Patrick. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They may have. He may have just dropped that into the art, right? As like, hey, as an Easter egg. Hey, go to these links. I'm sure they actually work. They do. Yeah, it's a clever way to get you to follow and like what he's doing. And so stuff. like. I noticed it, but it may not have been something I was supposed to really focus on. I think that's, I think it was a clever way to get you to follow them yeah. on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was really great. The art is gorgeous. Very well done. It's a huge bite for me, too. Black Mask is a great company. They put out great comics. They're kicking ass. This is another one. It deserves your support. And these are important topics. Yeah. And most of Black Mask's books tackle real world concerns yeah the liberator was all about animal abuse yeah uh you know young terrorists is all about you know paranoia yeah like sur <laughs> surveillance culture yeah, and, infotainment and, and surveillance and yeah i really enjoy that company and what they put out this is a great book buy it for me Yo, Patrick, what are you reviewing this week? Get ready to see two grown men have an argument about Superman. <laughs>
This week, I'm reviewing Superman, colon, Lois and Clark, number one from DC Comics, written by Dan Jurgens with art by Lee Weeks. I don't think there is a writer working in comics today that knows Superman better than Dan Jurgens. I totally agree. Now, you can say what you will about his iconic original run and all of its 90s excess, but it's hard to argue that Jurgens is not an expert when it comes to the character, and he played a huge role in developing what I consider to be the best version of the Man of Steel. That's why I was so excited when DC announced this book. Uh, the Convergence two-parter by Jurgens and Weeks was one of the few bright spots of that event. I never expected DC to actually follow up on their promise that they made at the end of that series that every story counts. Following Convergence, the pre-New 52 Superman and Lois have survived and are now existing in the New 52 universe. They're living on Earth, in hiding, and they've been hiding for five plus years since the dawn of of the current justice league so behind the scenes of justice league one through six where you've got uh superman batman uh, cyborg showing up to fight dark side yeah the convergence superman was standing off in the distance just uh, waiting to see if he needed to intervene so flash forward five six years he's living in hiding with lois they have a son jonathan who I swear to God, when they announced it, they said he was nine. Like there was a nine year time jump. Yeah. But there hasn't been nine years since. No. There's been maybe six since the beginning of the new 52. Yep. So, <laughs> we'll, so that. we'll say he's maybe six or seven. Okay. But as great as it was to see and read my Superman again, quote unquote, I know that Wooly Toots hates it when I refer to characters that way. <laughs> There were things here and there that kept me from loving this book completely. Everything about the character's voice and bearing feels right. And then Superman starts calling Lois low out of the blue as though that cute little nickname was part of their relationship all along. Yeah. Fun fact. It's not. No. And it's off putting. It's terrible. It's like when. Uh, Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman came up with the idea that Lois constantly called him Smallville. Yeah. And then they just insisted it on that being the thing forever. And they fired it in the comics too. Yeah. Superman makes a huge point of explaining how they have to stay hidden. That if they find out that, that he's another Superman, if they, if they find out he's got a family and a kid that they'll be after him, that this world doesn't trust its heroes. And, of course, the natural response to that is for Lois to start writing huge Edward Snowden level exposés in book form. <laughs> How are they paying her? I don't know. <laughs> Write the uh, check out to author X. Under an alias that is, surprise, surprise, not foolproof. <laughs> and then Superman flies around in a black outfit with no mask. With the symbol of the world's greatest hero plastered all over it. A hero, mind you, whose secret identity has just been outed to the entire world. Yep. So, here we are. In a nutshell. <laughs> there were also a couple of really abrupt transitions from scene to scene. Like, it seemed as though some scenes were definitely meant to be cliffhangers but they cut away before the actual moment of the cliffhanger. And I'm going to refer a specific instance. Uh, Superman rescues a space shuttle from crashing in the shuttle is Hank Henshaw, who on 
his Earth Cyborg is Superman. the Cyborg Superman. And when his shuttle crashed, it led to all these terrible problems. Because he was like, why didn't Superman save me? And well, also he got powers. He I became hate Superman. A, he became an electronic entity that allowed him to become Cyborg Superman. Yada, yada, yada. So Superman is trying to proactively stop these villains that he knows from coming into being if he can. And he's finding that sometimes these people that he knows aren't threats at all. Sometimes different people are the villains that he knows. Right. And that's interesting. Yeah. And in this instance, he's like, I have to save Hank Henshaw because this space shuttle crash is what started the downfall. It led to Superman's death and the whole deal. The destruction of coast city, which I guess didn't happen. Question mark. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause I thought that stuff happened. Yeah. Well, but here's something else to consider. It's all smashed into there five years. There is a cyborg Superman in the new 52. Uh huh. Who is it? No idea. Okay. But back to my original point. Superman catches the shuttle, punches the thing open and Henshaw's crawling out. And Superman's like, where's your crew? And instead of like showing the very next panel, which would be a cliffhangery moment of some kind. Sure. The next scene is Jonathan in school. It just completely cuts away before the mo- the, the dramatic moment. Right. And it does that in the book more than once. Several times. <sighs> I'm a huge fan of Lee Week on the positive side. I'm a huge fan of Lee Weeks. And the man is obviously a master storyteller. And there's not much to say about the art other than it is a great looking book. Thanks to Weeks, yep. uh, Inker Scott Hanna, and colorist Brad Anderson. It was it's very pretty. Beautiful. I'll give you that. Even when the story left me a little deflated, there were panels that gave me that same feeling I had when I read Superman growing up. Like when you see Superman standing on the rooftop looking over the newly formed Justice League in the distance. You're like, oh, that's the most Superman-y thing that's happened in Superman comics since 2011. Yeah. <laughs> so Lee Weeks' Superman is a paternal protector, someone to look up to and be inspired by. Except. I just, there's just too many little nagging things that make me go, but why? Why would Superman make this choice? So see now, okay. I'm glad you got here because these are the, instead of giving you what I thought about it, I was just going to ask you some questions. Yeah. About your Superman, how your Superman acts. Right. Would the Superman that you know, take a backseat if he honestly believed that the heroes of this world weren't doing a good job? No, no. And why couldn't Superman be on the justice league and save the space shuttle with Hank Henshaw in it? Why can't he do both? He's friggin' Superman. It's stupid. Yes. And, and that kind of leads me to what I believe is the fundamental flaw in the premise. There is no way that Superman, as I know him, the iconic character of Superman would decide that not being a hero was more important than saving lives. No, absolutely not. And if he wants to stay hidden, wearing an S on your chest is not a good idea. Put on a cowboy hat, do anything. I mean, come on. It's just dumb. He did grow a beard. Yeah, he grew a beard. I'll give him that. I really want to give this book a buy it because I want it to succeed. And I want DC to know that there's an audience for the history that they cast aside with the new 52. But there are just so many speed bumps in this book that made me go, but what 
No. And because I'm sure this also has a pretty narrow appeal, Superman fans that also like a specific version of Superman. (laughs) I'm giving it a skim it. I don't think it's I don't think a skim it is generous. I I think it's very generous because it there was certainly a lot to like about it. I think a skim it is extremely generous there. I'm giving this a leave it all the way. I hated this because it was such a forced premise so much so that they had to fundamentally change the character to feed us this screwball premise that further muddies the waters of continuity in the DCU so much so that now not only do we not know what was going on before and we're guessing all of our guesses might be wrong too. This is dumb. This is just dumb. It is not the book they told us we were going to get, which sounded like it was going to be on a completely different earth. I don't think that's true. Well, Regardless, we both agree that we thought that's what might be happening. It's not a nine-year gap. Turns out to be a five- or six-year gap. And now in that five or six years, all the stuff that we've been told did happen to Superman may or may not have happened to Superman. Oh, and there's another Superman. Wait, what do you mean? I mean, they said, oh, yeah, all this stuff, his death and all this other stuff, it all happened in the last five years. Oh, you mean to the new 52 Superman? Yeah, yeah. Right. So now all that is completely clouded, too. This is just a ham-fisted premise. That they have forced in, and I, I don't care about it at all. This is a huge leave for me. I love Lee Weeks. He did a great job in the book. It looks very nice. I like Dan Jurgens too. This does not work. This is bad storytelling. Leave it. I'm sticking with a skimmit. You make a lot of good points, and I will say then that my skimmit is being generous because I really want it to be great. And they've got 12 issues to tell this story. It's a limited series, not an ongoing. Right. I have a feeling a year from now, you won't even remember this story. They'll never talk about it again. <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed by yeah. it. Yeah. For sure. So that is a double buy it for Clandestino and a skim it and a leave it for Superman, Lois, and Clark. I can't remember the last time we gave a main book a leave it. Yeah, it's been a while. After you finish terrorizing the corrupt state and tucking in your super children... Be sure to let us know what your thoughts on these comics are over at the THN forums. I really do want to talk to some people about this Superman comic. You know a good place to do that? THN forums. There you go, buddy. Bad news, Joe, but it looks like your coordinates were bunk, and you jumped the Falcon into the middle of a Badoon Armada. How did we get the Millennium Falcon? Uh, the old-fashioned way. We went into the Sabak tournament, remember? Now quit screwing around and let's get to the Gunwells, where we're going to blast some Badoon ass while we review ten more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Do the Badoon live in the Star Wars universe? They live all over the place. Okay. <laughs> You can't put the Badoon in a box. Nobody puts the Badoon in a corner. <laughs> Switch, number one from Image. Deppen Sedgik launches a more or less all-ages reimagining of the Top Cow universe. It's about time. Complete with old favorites, Witchblade and the Darkness. I'll be the first to tell you that I don't give two I'll be the second to tell you. About Witchblade. <laughs> but this was actually pretty fun. No sh. The story takes several long asides. And maybe tries to do too much in one issue, but Sedgwick's art is lovely, 
and Switch was a really pleasant surprise. I'm giving it a strong skimmit. Cool. Chewbacca, number one from Marvel. I love Villanoto's art, and honestly, after reading this, I don't care if anyone draws Chewbacca again. I was a little worried, honestly, when I heard that he was on this just due to his kind of minimal style, but he nails it. And it's got to be hard to give a Wookiee emotion like this. Jerry Duggan's script was also great and set up what looks to be a fun, chewy side story that even has a heart. I'm giving this a massive buy it. It was so much fun. It was good. I hate Fairyland, number one from Image. Scotty Young's first ever creator-owned book is A Wizard of Oz Tale Gone Horribly, Horribly Wrong. It was an absolute blast reading about Gertrude, the deranged 40-something, <laughs> trapped in her childhood body as she tears through fairyland. Young's art is perfect for this kind of manic fantasy romp. It's a huge buy. It sounds nutso. It was originally going to be called Fairyland. <laughs> and I think Oh, that wasn't as marketable? <laughs> yeah, I think it says that on the variant cover. Okay. Yeah. Straight Jacket, number one from Amigo. El Torres is writing a compelling horror miniseries here about a doctor investigating the case of a girl that murdered her twin sister when they were 12, and she's been held in a mental hospital ever since. She has all the symptoms of a schizophrenic, except there appears to be nothing wrong with her brain. What? This is creepy psychological horror drawn in black and white and red by Guillermo Sana. This was really cool. El Torres, coming up, man. I like that guy. I'm giving Straight Jacket number one a buy it. Twilight Children, number one from Vertigo. The Vertigo Renaissance rolls on with this new series from legendary creators Gilbert Hernandez and Darwin Cook. Here, the duo bring us a supernatural mystery taking place in a sleepy seaside town with a large ensemble cast. Not a lot of answers yet, but the mystery's compelling, the characters are interesting, and Darwin Cook is my favorite artist working in comics you right now. You just said Darwin Cook is Darwin Cook. You know it looks amazing. Twilight Children, number one, buy it. Bad Moon Rising, number one from 451 Inc. It's the werewolf biker story you've all been waiting for, featuring a character with live to prowl, howl, growl, tattooed in white on his chest because, nope, you know, he's a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> the story is all over the place, sometimes following the biker, a werewolf hunter that talks to a ghost, I think, and the son of a slain sheriff returning home to investigate his dad's brutal death at the hands of what looks to be... Wait for it! A werewolf? A werewolf! Uh, there is no mystery here at all, and the dialogue was so horrible. So bad. Not bad art, and the coloring was pretty good, but it's not enough to save this one. I'm giving Bad Moon Rising a big stinky leave it. Blood Feud, number one, from Oni. Cullen Bunn reunites with his terrible lizard artist, Drew Moss, for a hillbilly horror tale that's about as far from an all-ages girl and her best dinosaur friend. And just for clarity's sake, he's not a terrible lizard artist. The book was called Terrible Lizard. <laughs> right, right. He's a terrible lizard artist. Yeah, this guy draws the worst lizard you've ever seen. <laughs> it's about as far from an all-ages girl and her best dinosaur friend story as you can get. Bun is definitely right at home in this creepy gothic horror wheelhouse, and Moss's art is perfectly disgusting <laughs> this is the kind of book that bun excels at and i can't get enough of this type of work i'm excited to read this one it look cool it's a uh, blood feud number one huge buy it guardians of the galaxy number one from marvel page one is the thing in space so you know this is all new and all different 
Kitty Bride is still there too, but now she's wearing the Star-Lord costume and leading the team. Why not? She's been in space with your ex-peeps a lot. You know, she knows what's up. Yeah. Valerio Shitty is awesome on our Valerio Skeety. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Channeling his inner Alan Davis, but suddenly I did notice the Guardian ship looks like Jetfire from the Transformers or a Robotech Veritech fighter for you classic anime nerds. Hey, it's all new and all different. The BM Bendis script still lacks some of the heart that Abnett and Lanning brought to the book, but I dug it, and fans of his Guardians will too. I'm giving it a buy. At least they didn't force it to look like the ship from the movie. That's true. That's true. And I appreciate that. New Avengers, number one from Marvel. Al Ewing and Gerardo Sandoval relaunch New Avengers again. But the focus shifts to Sunspot and his conversion of AIM into Avengers idea mechanics. I love Al Ewing. I love this assortment of characters, and I love the concept, but I don't love Sandoval's art. It's Joe Madureira from the height of the 90s yeah. inspired, but not as good as Joe Madureira from the height of the 90s. Yeah. Plus, I am sick of Marvel recycling the new Avengers title just to capitalize on name recognition. Wait, why can't you call this Avengers Idea Mechanics? Hello! Come up with a new name that makes sense and let the new nonsense go already. A period I period M. There you go. Baboosh. New Avengers number one. It's a skim it just because the art didn't do it for me. Yeah. I, I had high hopes for this one too. Sam Wilson, colon, Captain America, number one from Marvel. Nick Spencer takes over writing on Cap, and it didn't feel as all new and all different to me. Maybe it's because we already had the shock of Sam taking the reins as Cap. Sure, D-Man and Red Wings seem to both return from the dead, and Maria Hill is being a real B to Sam. But other than that, this is business as usual with a little more grounded mission for Cap and excellent art by Daniel Kuna. I'm not complaining. It's still great, just not as radically different as I expected. I'm giving this a bite. Now... To be perfectly fair, all of the books are relaunching, yes. and it doesn't necessarily mean that every single book will be wildly different. Right. I just thought there would be more of a shakeup. Like That's when all. Ms. Marvel comes back, I feel like it's probably going to be a lot like the old Ms. Marvel. Absolutely. Well, that is your ludicrous speed round. Well, is the onomatopoeia of the week and the sound that Chewie makes when he's pissed. After you're done blasting your ship out of whatever firefight you're in, don't get cocky when you head over to the THN forums to give us your opinions of all the comics that you read this week. After chuckling our way through last week's first Democratic debate, Matt and I got serious and a little worried about candidate Jim Webb. Not his stiff, did that guy have a stroke delivery, but the red-faced anger that welled up when he spoke about the Vietnamese soldier that tried to kill him. So we've invited Senator Webb to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. Did he happen to mention that he fought in Vietnam? Yeah. Yeah. He well, mentions it a lot. Yeah. yeah I think he brought that up. <laughs> and also otherwise that he, he wasn't getting enough otherwise time. Otherwise he killed a Vietnamese guy in Desert Storm <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> so we've invited Senator Webb to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where our buddy Deadman will be reuniting the senator and the soldier so they can forgive each other. It's going to be real cathartic. It is. War as hell, Matt. And we've certainly never been in the sh but it's time for these two to make amends. Matt, while the senator softly weeps, why don't we talk about a couple of next week's comics? Sounds good. Next week, I'm excited for Karnak, number one from Marvel, written by Warren Ellis with art by Gerardo Zaffino. That is a sexy last name. Yeah. 32 pages, 399. Here's your solicit. The flaw in all things! 
My curse, this is a quote, I assume it's Karnak talking. My curse is that I see the flaw in all things. Why does he sound like Ezio from Assassin's Creed? Because, you know, he's a smart, you know, worldly kind of mysterious Because he lives on the moon, you know? Yeah, yeah. Systems, philosophies, structure, people, everything. Never forget who I am. I am Karnak of the Inhumans. You may not know who Karnak is now, but you will. When Warren Ellis and Gerardo Zafino are done with you, Phil Coulson goes to Karnak to help with a shield case with inhuman implications, and what he's going to find will terrify you. I'm scared already. I don't know if there's a money back guaranteed or not, but Warren Ellis is perfect for handling weirdos like Karnak, and I can't wait to see what they do here. Now, this is more of the agents of shielding of the Marvel Universe. Not really. Not really, but it is. Coulson's in the Marvel Universe. That's just the way it is. I'm okay with it. I'm excited for this one. Hey, Joe, what's your pick for next week? Hey, Joe, what's your pick for next week? (laughs) That stays in the show. Yeah. (laughs) Next week, I am excited for Titans Hunt. (laughs) Number one from DC Comics, written by Dan Abnett with art by Paolo Sequeira. 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Convergence is over, but the ripples are still being felt, especially by a young precog named Lilith. What are these visions she's having of a Teen Titans team the world never knew? They're probably just hiding. Yeah. (laughs) And why does she feel compelled to seek out Dick Grayson, Roy Harper, Donna Troy, and an Atlantean named Garth and warn them that something dark and sinister is coming after them? Who are Mal? Gnark! I think it's just Nark. Yeah, I know. Hank Hall and Don Granger. And what is their connection to the others and to the fate of every soul on Earth? This is the secret history of the Teen Titans. This is the further muddying of the history of the Teen Titans. <laughs> Look, I am not worried about muddying New 52 continuity. All right, all I right. already don't like New 52 continuity. <laughs> Fair enough. But this sounds fun to me where they start to have memories of the Teen Titans past that never existed yeah, for them. We talked about this a while ago when they uh, were putting out the details yeah, yeah. of the relaunch. And it y- sounds interesting. It could be a it could be a Lois and Clark level disappointment, but it'll be one of two things. Fucking awesome. <laughs> or <laughs> terrible. Or f- terrible. <laughs> it's a good thing we don't have that mid- middle of the road rating to nope, give it. That's not how this things. works. <laughs> I'm just curious to see how it all comes together. I I, I desperately want them to uh, establish a better history for the Teen Titans oh, yeah. than the one we got in the New 52 where it's like Red Robin and Wonder Girl wearing a halter top Ugh. and Beast Boy who's orange. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, he wasn't even there in the beginning. No. Showed up later. Yeah. See, it's all a mess. It's already a mess. Yeah. Mess it up further. I'm into <laughs> it. Feel free. <laughs> The THN Trade of the Week goes to Get Jiro, Blood and Sushi, the hardcover from Vertigo, written by Anthony Bourdain, yes, that Anthony Bourdain, and Joel Rose, with art by Al? Ale, probably. Ale? Ale Garza. Alejandro. Alejandro? Yeah. 160 pages for $22.99. What a steal. Here's your solicit. You say that regardless of the page count and price. You know that, right? No, not always. I always say it when I think it's actually <laughs> pretty good. Acclaimed chef, writer, and television personality, Anthony Bourdain and Joel Rose, who did Kill the Poor? I don't know what that is. Return for the follow-up to their number one New York Times bestseller, Kichiro, from Vertigo, in Kichiro, Blood and Sushi, 
Bourdain and Rose examine the origins of the mysterious Jiro and what made him into the chef he has become. Born the heir to a Yakuza crime family, Jiro never longed to travel the criminal path laid out before him, but instead chose to secretly study the rich culinary history of his homeland, something that would have significant repercussions if discovered by his gangster father. And as Jiro's interest in the culinary arts deepens, the challenge of keeping his artistic and criminal world separate becomes too great, triggering a great personal loss that will forever change Jiro's path. We loved the first Get yeah, Jiro. Yeah, it was awesome. It turned out to be delightful, and I'm excited for this one. It was delicious, you might say. Okay, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, it looks like we did it again. Even though he has no chance. Zero. Zero chance of no. winning any debate, let alone the nomination. Oh, God. Senator no. Webb has let go of his anger and found forgiveness from his Vietnamese victim. There may have been no rules in Nam, but love is the law here in the Sanctum Sanctorum. True. Big hearts. Be sure to show us your love of your enemies and next week's comics over at the THN forums. It was sweet, right? It was. Normally, right about now, those badass gangster comic pushers would be rolling up in their lowered Batmobile. But this week, we decided to let our buddy, the Orca, take you on another trip to the internet comic market. That's right. It's time for another exciting and possibly NSFW edition of Take the Money and Run. Well, hello there. Welcome back to Take the Money and Run. I'm your inebriated host, the Orca. This is the part of the show where we tell you, the loyal listeners, what comics to sell, not what comics to buy to make a buck. That's all a bunch of horse hummus. Now let's start by addressing some of the fan mail we received on last month's segment. Maurice-Lester at AOL.com writes, Interesting new philosophy on the Take the Money and Run segment, and I appreciate the insight, but aren't you worried that you'll sell something before it becomes a classic, like the next Incredible Hulk 181 or the next NYX number 3? Well, Mo, wait, that's your name? <laughs> well, I'll be. Anyway, I get what you're saying. I did in fact sell NYX issues 1 through 7 for 110 bucks a while back, and yes, with X-23 being Wolverine right now in the all-new, brand-new, all-stupid Marvel, it's selling for more. But the point is, no one knows where the top of the market is, and if you think you do, you're wrong. The guy I sold it to could have flipped it for $225 or whatever, but he could just as easily keep it for the next 20 years, die, then his wife sells it to a local comic shop for $10 with the rest of his collection. Or if Marvel decides that they want to bring the real Slim Shady back in some delayed, overhyped miniseries that they charge $7 per issue for. Then this thing goes back to being a $20 book. I saw cash on the table. I took the money and run. Tis far more common for a book to get wicked hot than fizzle out completely. You're more likely to see the next Strain number one. The next Big Hero 6 number one. The next Rat Queens number one. The list goes on and on. I sold all three of those books for more than $50 each, and now they can easily be found for less than $10. I'll stick to grinding out real cash money week after week and occasionally sell too soon, as opposed to holding on to stuff for too long. Okay, another email. This one from e.watson at hornyhermony.com. 
Hey you clocksmith, last night was great. I loved it when you were pulling my hair from behind. That's what got me to my fourth. Oh, jeez, Emma! Emma! Sorry, everyone. That one's a personal email. Just just forget that. Never mind. Finally, m.bizzolo.eic at bmaskstudios.com writes, How dare you say that we can never go home isn't the next walking dead? Anything that Black Mask does is solid gold. Everyone should be buying them. Anything they produce, you'll be able to put your kids through college one day. Wow. Sounds like someone's got an extra case of these in the back of his Chevette or something. See, big money leads to market manipulation. A little speculative hype can help a fledgling publisher an awful lot. Hmm. Makes you wonder about all the hype, huh? That's a perfect segue to this month's first item to sell now. Buying Masks, Space Riders number one. I just sold my copy for $50 onto eBay. Seriously, check it out under recently sold. I paid like $4 for it. It was cute, but 50 bucks is nuts. If we can never go home as this generation's spawn number one, then Space Riders number one is this generation's brigade number one. History repeats itself. Take the money and run. Moving on, A next number seven. This series was really bad. That sucks. And nobody really gave a about the story. But if you're still reading this seven issues in, then you got the first appearance of Hope Van Dyne slash Pim slash whatever. Now the chick from Moss is going to be the star in the new Ant-Man movie. She was in the first flick, but now she's a superhero too. The suckers out there will give you 25 bucks for this one. Take the money and run. Speaking of Lost, for those of you not watching TV a decade ago, Lost was all the rage. There had never been a TV show that had so many fans so deeply entrenched in a program before. Lost was everywhere, and its cast members were all megastars bound for infinite fame and fortune. Now they're all the third or fourth lead on some stupid CBS show. Even the best TV shows aren't immortal. The public moves on. The show starts to lose ground, then they do something drastic and they jump the shark. Ten years ago, no one thought that there would ever be another nerd show to capture the attention of the masses like Lost. Now you ask anyone under the age of 20 about it, and they'll most likely say, yeah, my dad has that in his Netflix queue. This will happen with our beloved Walking Dead. Where we're in now, season six. Within the next four years, maybe even the next two years, this show will be passe. People will move on. Probably to a craze we don't even know about yet. Andrew Lincoln will be the star of NCIS Buffalo, and Carl will be failing out of some liberal arts school and found dead with a needle in his big toe. And the $5,000 people are spending for a complete run of the comics will be worth bubkiss. Issues of this comic in a 50 to 80 range are routinely getting $20 to $30 per issue. Anything in the 15 to 40 range is getting $100 plus. And below 15 or key issues, they're getting enough to sell one near main copy and buy the entire run through issue 144 in omnibus form. Don't even ask about number one. You need to get Sotheby's involved there. This is the height of ridiculousness. When this thing turns, and it will, it may mark a 1994-like turn into the dark ages for our hobby. Be the one taking the money not the one spending it. Thanks for listening. Kiss, kiss, nerds.
sort of break it down like this. And that is it for the How to Upset Veterans and Make Extremely Patriotic Enemies episode of THN. If you dig podcasts that will one day be used to discredit the hosts if they ever run for office, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And while you're there, please leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, or hearts, because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. Thank you to our latest sustaining member, Biggs Entertainment. Hey, it's a company. That's awesome. JL Black 1983. All right. That's his username. Awesome. I don't know the guy or a girl. If you want to help support THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, just like... Bigs Entertainment. Bigs. It's really as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. As little as a buck a month does help. And if you're interested in sponsoring THN, if you've got a product that you want us... Talking to you, Bigs. You know what to do. Send us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship. Woo! If you want to yell at us personally, head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com, where you can find links to all our contact info via Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, where we post the outtake of the week, Skype, and Ziggurat Hotline 402-819-4894. Spoiler alert to those of you watching us on Periscope, you will hear the outtake on our Tumblr. (laughs) You've already heard it. Yeah. If you dig the music you hear on this show, you can subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile. Sometimes he actually updates it. It's true. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Chris, the British guy who recently resurfaced just to let us know he is in fact alive and he's the reason we'll be saying the name of our Ludicrous Speed reviews twice. Word to you, Chris, your title of British guy is safe here. Here it comes. Special secondary shout out to our newest sustaining donor. Sustaining? Black Scorpion the Three. That guy doesn't have any money. Oh, man, I feel bad. Didn't he just have a kid? He's got a kid. Oh, God, this is terrible. What have we done? (laughs) I'm sorry, Mrs. Scorpion. What have we wrought? Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer might not remember the titles of the comics you want if you don't. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off! Eat it, Periscope!